Well, normally I would say open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 14, because that's the next area of Scripture that we should be covering, but we're going to take a little detour, if you will. We're going to take a, we're not taking a break from Samuel, we're just going to kind of go back and, and I think we have a loose end that we need to tie up. I think there's something there, there's a, uh, there's a problem that we need to address, if you will, and I, and I want to spend a little time tonight talking about it because I think it's, it's really, really important. As I study the book of First Samuel and Second Samuel, and I run across David, and I see the life that David has, and I see the life that David lived, and I see the mistakes that David make. Made. I also see the successes and the things that David did right. It leaves me uh, uh, scratching my head sometimes wondering, how is David really called a man after God's own heart? I mean, after all, we saw him blow it, I mean, really bad. You know, we look at ourselves and go, well, I haven't committed murder. You know, I haven't done that yet, right? And it, it, it kind of just, in my mind, I, like, I think it's important that if we go back and we reconcile this. Because there's some important points that I want to make along the way. So if you have your Bible with you, open to 1 Samuel 13 and also open to Acts 13. So we'll be in 1 Samuel 13 then we'll be going over to Acts 13. And I just want to, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go back and look at the scriptures where God says that David is a man after his own heart. And we're going to see a couple of interesting things there. So 1 Samuel chapter 13. Uh, this is a place in scripture where uh, Samuel had just told Saul that the kingdom of Israel was being torn away from him. And it was being torn away because Saul was disobedient. Samuel had, the prophet Samuel had told Saul, uh, it's relatively recent in Saul's uh, kingship if you will. Samuel had told Saul, listen I want you to go to Gilgal. I want you to wait for seven days. In seven days I will come sacrifice to the Lord on your behalf and then you will be set to go off, off to battle. Well what took place was Saul went to Gilgal like he was supposed to he waited seven days but he didn't quite wait till the end of the seven days before the end of the seven days you know what Saul looked around and said I guess Samuel's not coming I guess he's not going to make it here to Gilgal so I guess I'll just do the next best thing I will I will sacrifice myself not not kill himself he said he'll make the sacrifices himself he'll 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 institute the sacrifices himself and just as he's finishing up just as he's finishing up the sacrifices who walks up Samuel walks up. Isn't that the way God always works? Just when you think your life, it's impossible, God's not showing up, it's too late, it's the last minute, it's the last hour, he'll always be faithful, trust me. He really will. But just as Saul's wrapping things up, Samuel shows up, and I want to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, it says this, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So what we read here is uh, Samuel is telling or speaking to Saul. He's speaking for God to Saul. And he's basically telling, you're not a man after God's own heart. God is now going to look for or God is now going to find a man after his own heart to rule over his people. Okay, This is before, before David is ever king. 
This is at the very moment that the kingdom is, is Saul is being told the kingdom is being torn away from him. It wouldn't be many, many years later till David actually becomes the king of Israel. But this is at the very beginning where Saul is refusing to be obedient to God. He didn't want to wait seven days. He got anxious. He wanted to do it on his own. Okay. Now I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. I'm going to pick it up in verse 21, just for the sake of context. Uh, Luke here is the author. He's, uh, he's writing about the history of the nation Israel. And he says in Acts chapter 13, verse 21, And afterward they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. I found David, who's a man, the son of Jesse. He's a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. So this tells us a couple things. It tells us, number one, that God is looking for a man after God's own heart. We know that David would be anointed king over Israel. And then here in the New Testament, we're being reminded that David was a man after God's own heart. So it's established before he's anointed king, and here it's established long after he's anointed king, and that's important because it lets us know throughout his lifetime he's a man after God's own heart. Even in his difficult situations, even when he was seemingly making bad choices, David was still a man after God's own heart. And we also find another key ingredient between those two areas of Scripture. It has to do with doing the will of God. It has to do with being obedient. It has to be, you know, the, the, the following what God tells you to do, being an obedient person, being an obedient man or a woman. And when I say man after God's own heart, I mean man or woman, okay? That can be interchangeable. So for, for a woman after God's own heart as well. So I want to just now, I want to read to you something. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. Verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is at the point where uh, Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He's directed by God to go to Jesse's house. He's going to anoint the next king over Jesse. So here he is to anoint the king, and he says to Jesse, and Jesse begins to bring out his sons. So who would he bring out naturally first? The oldest, the firstborn son. He's the one that next in line. So he brings him out. Nope, not him. Brings him out. Nope, not him. Oh, I, if it's not him, it must be this one. He certainly looks like he would be a king over Israel. He certainly has the outward appearance, the outward actions. He has, he has the outward signs of a king. And then God reminds Samuel of something. He says, you know what? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And we're going to separate these two things, and it's important because man, when we look at David's life, when we look back over his life, and we see all the mistakes that he made, right? And he made a lot of them. He had too many wives. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He committed murder with Uriah. Uh, he defected from Israel and went and joined the Philistines to fight against the Israelites at one point. We see all the mistakes that we make. We're looking at the outside of his life, aren't we? 
We're looking at what's going on, what we see. God, we're reading here that when God's looking at somebody's life, God is looking at the, what? The heart of somebody. He's looking at what's in their heart. What is their, what is their true desire? See, God has the ability to move through everything on the outside, all the garbage on the outside, okay? It's possible for someone to look like a man or a woman after God's heart, God's own heart, but not be a man or woman after, woman after God's own heart. And it's also possible for somebody to not look like that in David's case. Because David wasn't the one that looked like he would be the next king of Israel. He didn't have the physical stature. He didn't, he, no one thought that would be him. Okay, And that's important because when we look at somebody, when we look at David's life, we have to be very, very careful we don't just judge him on all of his mistakes. And I like this, that God sees the heart. Because God's able to look at somebody's true motives for doing things. Do you know that we can do things for the Lord with the wrong motives? You can become a missionary, you can become, you could become, people could become pastors for the wrong motives, you could serve in Sunday school with the wrong motives, you can read your Bible with the wrong motives, you can do all kinds of things in your life with the wrong motives. But we need to remember, God sees what? God sees our heart. You're not fooling God. If you decide that I'm going to serve in church so somebody will recognize me and think that I'm a spiritual person, do you know that God knows your real reason for serving? At the same point, we can, at the same time, we could see somebody who looks like, you could look and go, wow, their life's a mess. Wouldn't you think that of David? If I told you the story and didn't tell you it was David and Bathsheba and your wife, I just told you the story. I have this neighbor who did this and then this happened and then he killed her husband. What would you look at that person and think? Think about that for a minute. If I told you a story, there's a guy that lives down the street Okay, and he, and he was out walking around one night, he saw his neighbor taking a bath or a shower, and he went and had an affair with her, and then she got pregnant, well then her husband found out, so instead he just killed him. And I didn't tell you it was David and Bathsheba, but would you think that that man was a man after God's own heart? You'd think that man is crazy, he's a criminal. But you see, God again, he sees the heart. He sees, and that's a good thing for us, because, or it could be a bad thing for you. If, if you really are true to God and you really are seeking to, you know, have that relationship with him and be that man or woman of God, he sees that intention of your heart even through your failures. Because do you fail? Yeah. Did David fail? Yeah, many, many times. So here's what we need to think. David had many mistakes in his life. He had many military accomplishments. Uh, he had all kinds of his, we, we talked about it last week, his personal, his family life was, was kind of a wreck. But he also reaped the consequences of that. I mean, his son with Bathsheba died. Uh, we, had, we see the fighting in between his, his son uh, Amnon, Absalom, who eventually killed Amnon. But, but how do we actually reconcile this in our mind? How do we actually get around this thing and say, how is David a man's after God's own heart if he's plagued with blatant sin in his life? Aren't we plagued with sin in our life? Are you perfect? Anybody not? Anybody done sinning? Anybody done sinning? Or, or, or can we all just pretty well agree that, yep, we still, we still make mistakes. We still sin. Maybe not the way that we used to. Maybe we've come along and we've matured. Maybe we're growing. But I'd be hard-pressed. And if, if you are done sinning and you've figured it out, you need to come let me know. Actually, I should sit down and you should teach, really, because I don't think we're there yet. So how do we reconcile this in his mind? What is it? Let me ask you this. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? What does it really look like in somebody's life? What does it mean to be a woman after God's own heart? Uh, I read one, one uh, author put it this way. Chuck Swindoll said this. It means your life is in harmony with the Lord. 
What is important to him is important to you. What burdens him burdens you. When he says, go to the right, you go to the right. When he says, stop that in your life, you stop it. When he says, this is wrong and I want you to change, you come to terms with it because you have a heart for God that's bottom line biblical Christianity. Do you agree with that? Like, well, yeah, it, it, it makes sense, but there's a problem with that. I don't do that. Do you? If God says, go right, do you always go right? If God says, stop this, do you always stop that? If God says, you know, don't do this, do you, do you never do that? So here's the, here's the question I have. What happens when God says stop and I don't? What happens when God says go right and I go left? What happens when God says go left and you go right? What happens when you come to church and you hear a Bible study and you're convicted and you walk out of here and make no change in your life? How, 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 is, that, how is that possible? How, what, what's going on here? And I look at David's life and I see that exact same thing. How is he called a man after God's own heart, yet there's still sin after sin after failure after failure? As I began to look at it, I, I did a lot of research on it this, uh, this past week. And here's what I came to find out. I want just um, A man or a woman after God's own heart, I, I want you to understand there's some things that they're not. Okay, A man or a woman after God's own heart, you don't always do what God wants you to do. You're going to make mistakes. We'd like to say that we always follow God, right? But, we, but the truth is we, we fall short sometimes, don't you? I do, don't you? We all do. You, 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 you won't always say the right thing, right? You ever said the wrong thing? You ever put your foot in your mouth and go, oh, I can't believe I said that. It's okay. It's all right. You won't always think exactly what God wants you to think. You ever let your mind go crazy and go, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. But yet there goes your mind. There it goes. In other words, you know what you should be doing, but you're doing the wrong thing. And you go, well, I guess I'm not a man or a woman after God's own heart. No, no, that's not the thing. Here's, here's the thing. That's the outward looking, the inward looking. God is seeing the heart. A man or a woman after God's own heart, they're not perfect. They don't live, they don't live a sinless, perfect life. And that's evident. The beautiful thing is they give that to us in the scripture. We see that in David's life. Sinless perfection was not the quality that David had that made him a man after God's own heart. Right? We can all agree with that. It wasn't perfection. So what character traits did David have? What were the things in his life that made him that, that, that helped him to, to, to be a man after God's own heart? I want to look at a few of them tonight. Just a couple. Okay? And we're going to kind of do these kind of skim over quickly. Number one, David was repentant. Right? He was repentant. He blew it, but he always comes back to the Lord. He always realizes that he's blown it. It might even take him a little while. But he always comes back. Do you remember uh, when he was living among the Philistines? He lost everything. The Philistines wouldn't even let him fight because they didn't want the Hebrews with them. So he went back to the town, Ziklag, where he was staying. And all of the families were gone. The town was burned. He lost everything. And it tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 30, he was greatly distressed. He's worn out. Had it. Can't take any more. God, I don't know what else to do. He's greatly distressed. But instead of giving up, we read... For the people, and the people were talking about stoning him because all the souls were grieved. Every man and his sons and daughters, they were all gone. But instead of giving up, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It was his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Remember when Nathan the prophet pointed out his sin to Bathsheba? With Bathsheba, he told him the whole story about the little lambs and we read all that and we talked about all that. And what was David's response? I have sinned against the Lord. I've sinned. David wasn't afraid to repent or to humble himself when he made a mistake. Repentance is a, is a key trait that made him a man after God's own heart. What else? 
Real quickly, he loved God's word. Have you ever read Psalm 119? You want me to read it for you? Say no. It's way too long. Great, great passage. Longest, longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. Read it sometime on your own. It's all about the word of God. It's, it's, it's a beautiful book about the word of God. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It says, I'm just going to read verses 47 and 48. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. There David's declaring us that he loves the word of God. The word of God is important to him. He's going to, what's he going to do with it? He's going to meditate on it. Meditate on it. He's going to think about it. The word of God is going to be on my mind. I'm going to be thinking about it. Meditate. That's not yoga. It's not like he's getting in a yoga pose and thinking about it. No, he, he's going through everyday life thinking about the word of God. What would the word of God say about this situation? What does the word of God say about how I'm thinking right now? What does the word of God say? And he, it's just something he's meditating on it. But along with being, you know, along with the word of God meaning something to him, he was also a man of prayer. You ever read the Psalms? Aren't they prayer after prayer after prayer? Psalm 17, Psalm 86, Psalm 51 was the prayer he prayed after Bathsheba and Uriah. So I'm, I'm not going to read them for you. Write them, jot them down. Go back and read them. They're prayers that David was praying. We see clearly, we get so many characteristic traits of who David was out of the Psalms. We see them in his psalm. We, we have his writings so we can see who he was. And we're only going to cover a few of them. He's a man of faith in God. The psalms show us that. He's a man who was thankful. The psalms show us that. He talks about being obedient, although he has his slip-ups. He's a man of worship. The psalms will certainly declare that he's a man of worship. As I began to look at all these traits, I began to kind of think, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. But how, do I, how can we reconcile all of what, what is a man or a woman of God? What, how can we put it in one easy-to-understand sort of heading? As I began to think about it, here's what, here's what I think it is. A man after God's own heart. It's not about his outward abilities. It's not about his appearances. It's not about his talent or his sinless perfection or anything like that. It's about the authority in his life. You see, David knew, David understood, David had placed himself under God's authority. David wasn't perfect, but he recognized. For David to repent, he had to be under God's authority. For David to be a man of worship, he had to recognize God's authority. For David to be a man of prayer, he had to recognize God's authority. Would he be repenting if he didn't see God as an authority figure? No. Would he be, would he be praying to, to somebody he didn't recognize that could answer his prayers? No, he wouldn't. And here's what I, here's what I think, think it is. You see, we look at David's life and we go, well, you're, you're making mistakes, David. You're making mistakes that are worse than my mistakes in life. So if, if you're a man of God, then I could be. No, it's not about the mistakes that he made. The question is, are you a man or a woman after God's own heart? And I think you'll find the answer is, who's the authority in your life? Do you have a heartfelt desire to please God? Do you have a heartfelt desire? Does God's word mean something to you? Are you spending time in prayer? Is, there, is, there, is, is God the authority thing? In my, does, does everything else fall underneath of him? You see, it's possible for us to have more than one authority in our life, isn't it? You see, I could have my, my job, my boss. He could be an authority in my life. I could have my spouse, wife, or a husband could be an authority in somebody's life. I could be my authority in my life. I don't recognize God. I'm the man. I'm the one that says what's right and wrong, right? But here's the way that it should be. God is the authority. When God is the authority in my life, then everything else comes into place, 
right? If God's the authority in my life, yes, the boss might be an authority in my life, but who am I really working for? God. So when my boss is mean, does it change the way that I work? No. When my boss doesn't say thank you, does it change the way that I work? No. When my boss doesn't do what I think he should do, is it going to change the way that I work? No. In my marriage, if, my, if God is the authority in my life, I'm going to try to be the husband that my wife wants me to be. No, I want to be the husband that God wants me to be. Is that contingent upon how she's acting? No, it's contingent upon my relationship with God. I'm going to be a godly husband because God has called me to be a godly husband. A woman's going to be a godly wife or a godly person. It doesn't, even if you're single, I'm going, to, I'm going to live the single life that God called me to live, not be, because God's called me there, because that's where I am, because he's the authority. I'm not going to just do what I want to do. That makes it easier when things aren't going right. That makes it easier when, when, when the wife isn't acting like a godly wife. It shouldn't affect the husband. He should still be being, the, being a godly husband. Well, that's not the way it works in real life. I get that. She says something, I say something, and the fight's on. I know how that goes. But that's not the way that it should be. The true authority needs to be God in our life. When it comes to that, ourself, where do you fall? Where does God fall compared to yourself for the authority in your life? People that discount the scriptures, that look at it and go, ah, they're just archaic. They're written to, th- God's, you got to get up with the times. You got to get more modern. You got to, you know, you got to be more, times are changing. Who's the authority there? They are. How are they the authority? Well, they're deciding what's relevant and what's not. If I decide what's relevant in the scriptures, who's the authority? I put myself in that position. You can put yourself in that position. If I look and go, well, yeah, but you just don't understand my situation, God. You know, I know, I know I'm not supposed to do this thing or say this thing, but look, look it's just you, just, you just, you just don't, you're not me. You don't realize it. No, he does. He does realize. He needs to be the authority. We place ourselves under his authority. His word becomes our authority in our life. Make sense? It's about the authority. You want to be a man after God's own heart. You won't be perfect. You want to be a woman after God's own heart. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of character traits you can find that, that David had in the Psalms. But really, I think it boils down to the authority. David recognizes God as his authority. And I'm willing to see God, the world through God's eyes. I'm willing to take a look at people the way that God sees people. I'm willing to allow that to happen in my life. Remember, for the Lord does not see a man as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We can say the authority in our life is God, but is he really the authority in my life? Is it really, is he, is it, do I really cherish the scriptures? Do I really believe that this Bible has everything I need? I want you to turn one place with me. Turn to Psalm 138. Get your pen out. I want you to highlight this or underline it. Psalm 138. This is again written by David. Verse 1, 138, verse 1. I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods I will sing. Before everything else, I'll praise you, God. I'll worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Now look at this last half of verse 2. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Highlight it, write it down, mark it, underline it, come back to it. God has magnified his word above his name. 
For you have magnified my word, his word. You have magnified your word above all your name. We always sing songs about the name of God, right? Name above all names, all the songs. But here, his word is magnified above his name. Am I placing myself under the authority of his word? That's a man after God's own heart. It doesn't mean you're going to like what it says. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy for you to live what it says. But it means that I'll be a person, you'll be a person that says, I'm going to do it because God says it. And I'm going to try. If God's word calls it sin, then I'm going to call it sin. If God's word calls it unhealthy for a believer, then I'm going to call it unhealthy for a believer. If God's word says it's wrong, then I'm going to say it's wrong. If the, I don't care what popular culture says. I don't care what the modern movement says. I don't care what, what we have to get with the times. I'm going to magnify his word above everything else in my life. The authority, the authority, who is the authority? I am no longer a man after God's own heart when I remove myself from God's authority. When I begin to put myself in the position of authority where I put somebody or something or some other thing else up there on that pedestal that I'm living my life for. What are some other things people can live their life for? There's Satan worshipers out there. Who's the authority in their life? Satan. Themselves. What what other other kind of things could people live their life for? Scientology. Scientology, Different religions. Absolutely. What else? Think about it. What else? See, we can talk. We're not in a chapter that's going to go on the radio, so we can, you can, I can ask for comments tonight, something I don't usually do. What other kinds of authorities do you see people living their lives for? A, what? Music entertainment. Yeah, think about all the 14-year-old girls that run around worshiping music stars, rock stars and music stuff. Absolutely. What else? Sports figures, actors, actresses, right? We put, we put them up as authorities in our life. We're going to follow what they say and do what they say. They've got it right. Do we really think Hollywood has the best, the, the, the most educated people to tell us how to vote? Authorities, what else? There's, there's all kinds of things. Huh? Pastors, you can put a pastor's authority in your life? Absolutely. What else? Working out could be the thing that you live for? Sure. Yeah, presidents. Cars? Yeah. Yeah, those are all things that can become authority. That, that's, that's what drives me. That's what motivates me. I work all week so I can do this thing. I, I, I do all this stuff and, you know, we have the authority. I mean, when you think about what God has done, not only has he provided a way for us to be forgiven for our shortcomings, because we've already established that we've, we fall short. If I will place myself under his authority and I will follow him, all of my mess-ups get pushed aside. They're not remembered. I have, I have all the grace and all the mercy that I need. We have to be careful as Christians because we live in a culture, in a world that tells us we need all kinds of things. We need to go here. We need to go there. If you have this, you'll feel better. If you, get the, if you get into a relationship, you'll be okay. If you had a better husband, it would be this way. If your wife would act this way, it would be better. There's always something else that we need. And I trust me when I say, everything we need in life, is we will get by placing ourselves under the authority of our creator. Think about that. He's the creator. We're the creation. He says, I wrote a book for you. I've magnified my word above my name. Here it is, let it be the thing that holds you up. Let it be the very thing that defines you. Now, going back to David. David lived a life, he was the greatest king of Israel ever. Yet, when it came to being king of his family, he fell short. Yet we see sin in his life. 
Yet we see major sin in his life. Yet we see before God chooses him, he's a man after God's own heart. And after he's chosen, he's a man after God's own heart. And I want you to know it's the same thing. We can be the same way. We can have the characteristic traits that he had. We need to be people who repent. That will all come naturally if God is the authority in my life. And what has God done for us that makes this whole picture come together? He sent his son, right? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that, so that we can be, what? Forgiven. Forgiven. But remember, it didn't, it, it, remember, don't misunderstand. It's not the waving of a wand that says we're just going to forget about that. Jesus did what? He paid the penalty. He took the, he took the penalty. It wasn't like the, 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 the sin was excused. It was paid for. It was paid in full by the blood of Christ on the cross. So we have the ability to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Once we believe on Jesus Christ, what are we really doing? We're placing ourselves under the authority of God. The book of Ezekiel tells us that we get a new heart. Speaking to the nation Israel, said, I will, I will give them a new heart. I'll take out their heart of stone. I'll give them a heart of flesh. I'll give them a new heart. When someone believes on Jesus Christ and they truly place themselves under the authority of God, then they begin living a life for God. It happens naturally. Here's where we have to be careful. We can fool ourselves, can't we? You can fool yourself into thinking you're a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart. You can fool yourself into thinking that you're a Christian. You can fool yourself into thinking that I'm fine with God. But ask yourself this question. Is he really the authority in my life? Or are there a whole bunch of other things that really matter more to me? Are there a whole bunch of other things that really come before? And I've I've used this before, and I'm going to use it again. How do you know if God's the authority in your life? How do you know if, if if, if he really is important to you? Ask yourself these three questions. Where am I spending my time? Where are my, where's my money going to? And what am I doing with the talents that God is giving me? What are you doing with your time? Are, are we, are, I mean, is, is Bible study important to you? Is, is the word of God where it's being taught? Do I need to get there? I don't know about you, but for, and, and, and you grow in these things as you walk with the Lord longer. You know, when you first start to get saved, you go to church once, you know, every, at least me, I would go like once a month and I thought that was pretty good, you know, and then I went twice a month and three times a month and I started going midweek and, and now I can't imagine not, not ever going to church, but where, where do you spend your time? Or is, is there something that's more important that when it comes along, well, just, I I just can't make a church today because there's something else that's more important. That'll let you know what, what are you, who are you really serving? Where does God, what authority does it really have in your life? Not that it's, it's okay to miss church once in a while. It's okay for that. But I mean, what, where, what is it, what's taking place in your life? When it comes to your money, where are you spending your money? Are you helping the people of God? Are you, and this is not a money message about giving. We're doing fine financially as a church. It's about you and the Lord. Are, are you giving back to God? Are you giving him, are you, are you giving with a cheerful heart back to him? Or is it just something you just, I'm not giving. It's all, it's all my money. I earned it. You see, if you think that you earned your money, you don't recognize God as the authority in your life because he's the one that gave you the ability to earn it in the first place because you don't control your next breath. He does. And what about your talents, the talents that God's given you, the things that you can do? And you say, well, I don't know that I have any talents, Rob. No, you do. You do. God God didn't make you without any talents. God's got a plan for everybody's life, remember? What are you doing with those things? Are we willing to give those back? Those are just three simple questions that we can look at and go, God, are you really the authority in my life? Because I don't want anybody to be deceived and think they're serving God, and they're really not. I don't want anyone to think that I'm right on. I'm, I'm right there with God. 
But I also don't want anybody feeling guilty because they're not perfect either. Because we have all the grace and we have all the forgiveness we need. Do you see the balance there? David wasn't perfect. But yet when David messed up, he knew that separated him from God. Just like sin separates us from God. And what did he do? He went to repentance when it was brought to his attention by a friend. He would repent and he would go back to the Lord. He'd strengthen himself in the Lord. He'd go right back there again. He didn't want to be apart from God because God was the authority in his life. Make sense? So we need to be the same kind of people. You know, the same characteristics, prayer, worship, you know, truthfulness, uh, the, the, the things that David did throughout the Psalms. You can, you can pull out whatever you want out of there. There's, there's literally probably hundreds of characteristics we could find. But it all comes back to him being the authority. And David can say, God can say to David, I see your heart. Just like God can say to you tonight, I see your heart. He sees what you're really thinking. He sees what's really inside of there. He sees what really changes have been made. He sees if you pretend to be somebody that you're not. He sees all of that. And he can say to us, I want to give you a new heart. If you've chose to follow Christ, you already have a new heart. It's already, it's already changing. It's already been replaced. It's, it's already there. He's, he's doing that thing in you. So hopefully, hopefully tonight we can just see, we're going to end a little bit early, but hopefully we can just see that when the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible's not mistaken by any, any, any stretch of the imagination. He really was a man after God's own heart, even though he wasn't perfect. Because I believe that he had established God as the authority in his life. And the question really comes to us is, have we done that? Is he the authority in your life? Is he the authority in my life? You know, and you can look at those things and make that determination for yourself. But I would tell you to search your heart honestly. Search your heart honestly. Allow the Lord. You know, I pray that you would go before the Lord honestly and say, Lord, are you the authority in my life? If not, will you tell me what the authority, will you show me what I've been worshiping, where my time has been going, what I'm serving? Because if you will realize that and you'll remove that and you'll establish God as the primary authority in your life, it, you're free. You're free from those things. Because sometimes we're caught up serving things that we don't even realize we're doing. Sometimes we don't even realize we're happening. So we're going to close, but I want to take a few minutes in prayer, like always, and just go before the Lord and ask him these, these, these couple of questions. Lord, you know, are you really the authority in my life? Does my life reflect that? The life that I'm living, the, the way that I'm talking, the way that I'm thinking, the, the decisions I'm making, does it really reflect you being the authority? And if you're the person who's, who's going, you know, I'm like David, I've been apart. Maybe it's a time to repent of some things. Maybe it's time to go, you know what? You haven't been the authority, but I'm establishing you tonight as the authority in my life. Now, tonight will be the night that I'm going to live according to your word. And if you fail, that's okay. You have the grace that you need to, to get past that, just like David did. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and, uh, and see what he might say to us tonight. Father, we just come before you. And Lord, as we look at your word and we see this, we look at David from the outside. And we see that all the mistakes that he makes. Lord, and we look at our life from the outside. We can look at other people's lives and we see the mistakes they make. But Lord, there's a tendency not to want to look at our very own life. There's a tendency to point our finger and blame the things that are going on in our life on other people. But Lord, may we be people who recognize you as the authority. May we conform to your word, Lord. Your word tells us to forgive so that we can be forgiven. May we do that, Lord. May we, be, may we take it serious enough to be able to be obedient to it, even though if it's difficult. So take a few minutes now and just go before the Lord quietly in prayer.